Steve Vince in Knoxville. How are you, sir? I don't think I'm doing as good as you because I'm not rocking the uh, the floral Hawaiian shirt like you. So I, I think things are really good in Knoxville. But no, things are well. Uh, my family and I are healthy. Uh, we're doing our part, um, as are most folks here out in L.A. So, no, I think things are well. Very fortunate and just very thankful for all the healthcare workers and uh, you know who are facing this head on, and all the people who are helping us at supermarkets and places like that, so we could try to you know try to live the best we can while they are, again, putting themselves kind of on the front lines of all of this. No doubt. Echo those thoughts for sure. So you've obviously been tracking this and how the NFL is handling this period of time of uncharted territory, and then the draft is going to continue. Give us an insight on how you think this is going to go off with everyone being remote and outside of their facilities. Yeah, I mean, as you've seen the reports, um, you know, Roger Goodell is going to be announcing the picks from his house. Every team, some a representative from each team is going to be making the picks from his or her living room or, or war room in their house or their designated area. So um, you're going to have that aspect of it. So, you know, you've heard all the concerns where some teams are like, well, hey, you know, we could get hacked because this is a, you know, this is a remote, you know, kind of virtual type of draft. Legitimate concerns. Um, the league is trying to reassure them that that's not going to happen. Um, you know, if there's a trade, you know, they might be asking for more time just because of potential technical issues. But I don't think that's a big of a deal because when trades have gone down before, they, they're happening via conference call or via phone call anyway. Um, so I don't think that's as much of a concern as people are making it out to be. But then, you know, to make it a, a television production, there are going to be cameras in players' homes uh, or wherever they are going to be with their families for the draft. So going to be a whole lot of technical stuff that I don't know about um, it's going to happen on the on the TV side of things. Um, but just overall, I, I think it's going to, you know, look, there may be a glitch here or there, um, but I think they're going to do test runs and things like that to make it as entertaining as possible. Because as you mentioned, this is kind of it right now for, for sports, with no games being played um, and things like that. So I think this is going to be something that will be highly viewed, highly reviewed. Um, it's, it's going to be highly anticipated um, as usual. So, just, just a very interesting time, but I think the league and, and everybody is going to make sure that they try to go go off goes off without any technical glitches. Steve Weish from the NFL Network, NFL Network reporter, joining us here on ninety nine point one, the Sports Animal. I'm Vince Ferrara. So, because of the setup for the draft, do you think we're going to see more trades, same amount, less trades because of the setup? How do you think the trade aspect will work in the first round? Yeah, the trade, that, that's not going to affect anything. I mean, there's still going to be trades. Um, and we've seen the last couple of years, it's been very active on the trade market. We're seeing teams that have multiple picks, like the 49ers and the Dolphins and the Raiders, you know, you know, in the first round. So there's going to be movement. And like I said before, in the past, all these happen with phone calls behind the scenes. So I think that part's going to remain the same. So I don't think this, this situation is going to impact um, necessarily the desire to make trades. I think it's going to be the, the only concern is the execution because of some of the technical potential technical issues because things are going to be virtual uh, as opposed to whatever. But you can always pick up the phone and use things that way, the way they've always done it in the past. In your opinion, how much are teams missing this pre-draft process since the combine in getting as much information, cross-checking all that, that they normally would do? Uh, to some degree. Um, you know, they're doing virtual interviews with players. Uh, they're, they're putting them on whiteboards or they're asking them, uh, film breakdown type of things, or they're getting to interview them at, at length um, about personal types of things. But look, there, there's nothing like being face-to-face -face with somebody. I mean, body language, eye contact, things like that. 
Um, they can put you under a different type of, uh, you know, meet the Fockers uh, type of interview <laughs> if they can do it in person. But um, I, I don't think it's, it's necessarily that radical. I, I think, you know, because, again, these in-person interviews are, are not workouts, you know, when you go to – when these players go to team facilities. But I do think it's going to hurt the smaller school players um, who didn't get opportunities to have pro days and to get seen and things like that. So you might have fewer players from smaller schools taken and signed as undrafted free agents. Um, and more players from larger schools who, who've played larger competition, potential, you know, the, the sure thing type of acquisitions in the later rounds, you know, again, as opposed to some of the smaller school guys. I mean, I, again, I think those are the ones who will be impacted. Do you think that bigger school lean on the more known commodity that will be reflected in the first round as well? No, I mean, first of all, it's not going to be not going to be adjusted. We, you know, you know, these guys have been scouted from the time they've been sophomores and juniors. I mean, we know that who Joe Burrow is, right? We know who Chase Young is, Tua Tungvaluwa, and, and these players are. They've they've established themselves. It's going to be these guys in the middle rounds and the later rounds. And again, most of these scouts have done the work. This is the teams that are going to do well in this draft are the teams that have deep and experienced scouting departments, right? So they can guys who've been at it for years, so they can call their sources at their universities and in these communities and say, tell me the real deal about this guy. Mm-hmm. The teams that are going to struggle are the ones who don't have experienced scouts, who don't have the contacts. Because um, everyone can evaluate the players on film the way they want to evaluate them to fit their schemes and systems. It's the personal information, the character checks. That's where these experienced scouting departments are really going to come out ahead. Steve, how wide is the range of the scouting departments that are staffed throughout the NFL? Do some have half of others? What kind of personnel numbers are we talking about, do you think, in the NFL? Great point. Um, Look, you've got some teams that have these very extensive scouting networks. You know, they've got – every team's got area scouts. You know, they've got scouts out in in, in the West and South and Midwest and Northeast. Um, But some of these teams have a lot of people in the building. Some of these teams have – you know, general manager, assistant GMs who used to be those worker bees, right, who who know who've got people on the ground. And those are the teams that, that are going to work. You know, hey, if somebody's got someone in southeast Alabama who they can trust or who they used to scout with, who they can really trust, they're going to get the information. Whereas some teams, remember the Bengals, um, they used to have one of the smallest scouting departments in the NFL. I mean, coaches were doing a lot of the scouting on film after the season was over. Um so, I mean, it's teams like that, that that don't prioritize scouting or who might use more data gathering as opposed to on-site, on-field visual type of just scouting football players. Those are the teams that could really, you know, be at a disadvantage, so to speak. When you're, you're, when you're comparing how a player does in down and distance situations um, as opposed to seeing how that player does in down and distance situations. It's interesting you mentioned the Bengals because really they were the team that I thought of when you were talking about the scouting department and notorious for it. So we're visiting with Steve Weiss from the NFL Network here on 99.1 The Sports Animal. 30-minute editions of NFL Total Access. You can find them Monday through Friday, 7 p.m. on the NFL Network. Steve, I want to get your thoughts on a couple of the Tennessee guys in the draft. Daryl Taylor probably is the guy that we've seen the highest on some mock drafts that rush end and then also Jawan Jennings, Marquez Callaway. There's a, a number of others that I guess could potentially be free agents. Dominic Wood Anderson, Daniel Batuli, Nigel Warrior. Any thoughts on any of those Tennessee guys for the draft? 
Well, first off, I, I am not Dana Jeremiah or Bucky Brooks, right? I am not a scout. I'm not a right. talent evaluator. So, I, you know, I speak to teams. And, and the one thing that's interesting, we have, you know, you, you hear about the glut of, you know, the Chase Youngs of the world, the uh, the chasing down at, at LSU, some of these guys who are, who are the pass rushers. In the first round, you're not necessarily seeing outside of the, the top two or three kind of the, you know, the, the impact pass rushers, at least in, in the eyes of NFL teams, that you've seen in previous drafts. This is a big wide receiver draft. We know there are quarterbacks there, but the interior defensive lineman seems like that's where a lot of teams are going to go. So those guys from Tennessee, I mean, the edge rusher from Tennessee, he's somebody who doesn't go in the first round. I mean, somebody may, may get a steal in, in the middle rounds because, again, that's where just kind of the impact of some of these pass rushes are right now, and not, not in part because of what they could do or, or, or what they've done, but because of other positions like wide receiver, we could see seven or eight of these guys go in the first round. You know, players like that in the offensive lineman, a lot of those guys go in the first round as opposed to this being a heavy dominant pass rusher. Uh, you know, even defensive back. Um, you're not hearing about a ton of DBs going in the in the first round either. So those guys are going to push to the second and third days, and, and that's just where it is. It's a, it's kind of an unusual year for Tennessee. I mean, I know the past couple of years they've had a couple of guys go, but man, I just remember the days when they used to flood the NFL. Uh, with first and second round draft picks, kind of goes to where the state of uh, of where that program is right now. Steve Weiss for the NFL Network joining us here on 99.1 The Sports Animal. So where do you stand on the risk, reward, and what could be a bad look if you miss on him and he works out of Tua Tunga Vailoa at Alabama? This, now this is the ultimate two-tiered, you know, dual-pronged, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Right. Because right now we've heard the – the medical reports are very good. And, you know, I speak to Tua. I'm very tight with that camp. Um, and, again, everything looks very good. Okay, so let's say you're the Dolphins at five, the Chargers at six. First off, do you trade up to get them? You might not have to, right? It looks like the first four picks, you know, it's they're going to fall in line. You know, Burrow, Chase Young, maybe Jeff Okuda to the Lions. Um, and then the Giants, you don't know necessarily what they're going to do, but probably they're going to go offensive line. So do you trade up to get them? Maybe, maybe not, if you really want him. If you think he's healthy, he says he can come in and compete. If he's going to be your guy, you still have a bridge quarterback. All these teams that need quarterbacks have a bridge quarterback right now just to come in and get him acclimated, which is important because he's not going to have an offseason to work with a team based on this pandemic we have going on right now. Mm -hmm. The bigger question is if you think he is going to be durable, right? If four years from now, all of a sudden you see something degenerative in those medical reports, is he going to be the guy you can hang your hat on for 10 or 15 years? At the same time, if you do not draft him, let's say the Dolphins pass on him and they take Herbert, he goes to, to the Chargers and has a great career, and Herbert doesn't. Now you're looking at a bear situation where Mitchell Trubisky has not worked out and they passed on Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. That gets people fired, okay? And, and that's where, again, the damned if you do and damned if you don't. You know how good Tua is. If you draft him, you may be taking a medical risk. If you don't draft him, you could be taking a job security risk. It is fascinating. Obviously, the quarterbacks have been talked about the most, especially that Tua situation. But it might have been Rex Ryan, I guess, that trotted out that this is the biggest risk in NFL draft history. Are we talking about that kind of level of the risk in that Tua pick? I don't know if it's the biggest risk in, you know, in, in draft history. I mean, you just it's because of the medical issue and because of this pandemic, team doctors can't get their hands on them individually, even though 
Um, his most recent exam was done by the Titans doctor, Thomas Bird, who's a hip specialist. That information was shared. He's highly respected. Teams were able to kind of give their input on some of the things they wanted to look for. And teams did get their hands on him at the combine. But again, that was in February. He was not at the health status that he is now. He's evolved. He, he, he's grown. Uh, look, it's, it's always a risk drafting, drafting a quarterback. I mean, um, was it any bigger risk than taking a Christian Ponder? Was somebody that people didn't think was going to be a, you know, a top 15 quarterback, and he was, or, or a Blaine Gabbert or, or some of these other quarterbacks, Jamarcus Russell. Um, the only thing is you, you've got the medical, and, you, and you, you have it and you don't. You know that there's a medical issue. Um, but you know what? The Miami Dolphins thought that Drew Brees had a medical issue in his shoulder, so they, they went with Dante Culpepper a couple of years ago. How'd that work out? Yeah. So to say this is to say this is the biggest risk, I not quite so sure that this is the, the biggest risk in draft history, but it's it's one in, in in recent history that would be noteworthy whether it works out or not. Steve, as you know, being there in LA, a lot of people have connected a Cam Newton or a Jameis Winston with the Chargers. Why would they do that if they're very likely to take a quarterback at number six? Well, the Chargers have already said they're not going back in a free agency. They really, you know, Anthony Lynn. Um, really likes Tyrod Taylor, the, the current quarterback he had in Buffalo. Um, we all know he is a starting caliber quarterback, even though people say he can only take a team so far. But, again, if they've got to go a season or a half season with him as a starter, that's fine. They do not want to bring Cam Newton in. and They've just kind of made that clear. Um, it's, it's weird. Cam Newton is, is interesting to me because, you know, speaking to people around the league, there's not that many starting jobs open right now, for one. And then, two, would he, if you bring him in to be a backup or to compete, Cam is a big presence, right? He is, um, you know, some people see him dressing, you know, a certain way and don't like it. He, he's got a big personality. Um, you know, to me, a, a team like the Jaguars, okay, if Gardner Minshew is your guy, well, bring Cam Newton in. You know, that coaching staff is on the green mile right now, and that, and that personnel staff. They're going to get fired if they don't win ball games this year. Bring Cam Newton in. He immediately makes your team better in a division – that's very, very interesting with Phillip Rivers coming to the Colts. Um, we know the Titans were where they were last year, and then the Texans trading away DeAndre Hopkins. So to me, if you bring Cam Newton there, that's a, that's a winning situation. And the Chicago Bears, I know they just traded for Nick Foles. But what's the harm in bringing in Cam Newton as, as well? Um, you know, Cam knows he's not going to get the big contract. He's not a desired guy. But if he is healthy, he's one of the best players in the NFL. The big the, the health issue is the big scare. Teams can't get their hands on him right now to look at that foot and shoulder um, where he's had surgeries. But at the same time, free agent contracts are not binding until you pass a physical. So you can sign him right now. If he fails the physical, you're no worse off than you are now. If you get the rights to him right now and he succeeds, then you could have your starting quarterback. Last couple things with you, Steve. Really appreciate your time. We're in Tennessee. A lot of Titans fans here in East Tennessee and that listen to us in the mid-state. Just a quick thought on the offseason for the Titans. They're going to be right there. I mean, the, the big question for them is, you know, they, they committed to Ryan Tannehill, and they really believe in him. Uh, I think he showed them some things in two-thirds of a season last year that he's a, he's a fit for their scheme. But can he do it? Did he have on a glass slipper? Or is he someone who can continue doing what they do? Can Derrick Henry continue – doing what he does. I mean, it's, it's hard to, um, you know, for running backs to have those types of years back to back to back, uh, kind of like Derrick Henry has done. So, again, they, they stuck with the nucleus of their team. They lose a guy like Jarrell Casey, you know, wow. I mean, he, he's a 
a fantastic player. So maybe that's where they're going in the first round of the draft. We saw, you know, the 49ers also trade away to Forrest Buckner, who's just a monster. So that tips you to where they're probably going in the draft as well. Just for financial issues, I think both people, uh, both players were traded, traded away. Um, but, you know, I, I think the Titans are right there. It's just, to me, it's a division that's top to bottom. Well, the Jaguars, I don't know, but the top three teams – could all win it, but they all have so many question marks um, with some of the things that were done this offseason that you, you just don't know um, what the best team will be, which is why it's going to be a great division to watch. But I, but I, but I really love the Titans. I loved them last year, um, even when Mariota was the starter, um, and, I, and I really liked them going into the season. Question marks like trading DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah I, I think we know where where we all stand on yeah on that one so yeah i'm sure deshaun watson's happy about that <laughs> i try to do with our interview some fun stuff here at the end so i got three things i want to ask you about it's a three for v so i want to ask you what room you're in do you have a dog nearby that can hop on the video with us and tell me about the last time you were in knoxville if ever okay i'm in my kitchen Okay. I do not have a dog or any pet. Our fish died recently. Oh, sorry. About that. And the last time I was in Knoxville, I was with Charles Davis. Um, and we were there, you know, the former volunteer who's oh, yeah. a broadcaster now. And we were there for Eric Berry's Pro Day. So that was several years ago. So haven't been there in a while. But there you go. You got answers to your questions. Very good. Doesn't get any better in terms of human beings than Charles Davis. We no. talk to him all the time, yeah. Well, Steve, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Always great to catch up with you. Of course, once again, 30-minute editions of NFL Total Access, Monday through Friday, 7 o'clock on the NFL Network. And you can follow NFL Network reporter Steve Weiss on Twitter as well, at Weiss, W-Y-C-H-E-89. Steve, be safe, be healthy, you and your family. Thanks so much, and we'll look for you on the NFL Network. You too. Thanks a lot, Vince.